Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Barons of Boston web series. I'm Joe Zanke, your host. And today I'm with my guest, Jim Farrell of PR First. Jim, how are you? Uh, good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm great. Thanks. It's nice to uh, have a chance to talk with you again. We've met before, so it's nice to catch up. And Yeah, no, I'm really happy we can catch up. But um, I think this is going to be great. So, Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, yourself and, and your business, PR First? Okay. Uh, thanks. So PR First is a public relations company. Our office is located down in Hanover. Um, I started the company 22 years ago in last March after having worked in the industry for about seven years prior to that. And before that, and I mentioned it because it has some bearing on what I do, before that I worked in the news, uh, the newspaper business. I was editor and publisher of a couple of weekly newspapers on the South Shore, mm -hmm. and I sold them to a larger group. And I mention it because during my time as a newspaper editor, I received a lot of inquiries from PR firms. Some I thought did a great job, some not so much. So I learned a lot from what I received as an editor, and I have always tried to put those principles into practice when I went on to the other side of the the other side of the desk, so to speak. So my company has uh, there are five of us, and three of us came out of uh, the journalism or communications world prior to PR. So we have that experience that I think distinguishes us from a lot of firms in our industry in that we've actually been on the receiving end of a lot of PR pitches. So we know what editors like, we know what they don't like, mm -hmm. and knowing that doesn't guarantee that we're going to be able to uh, hit it out of the park every single time for, for our client, but we have a pretty good record and we've done, um, we've done well getting placements for clients because of our industry knowledge. So what we do is we work with businesses. PR is probably one of the least utilized forms of marketing, one of the least understood, but it's people who don't use it. It's like leaving money on a table because the news media is very willing to report the news of small businesses. It's just that most news media outlets lack the resources and the uh, staff to actually cover it themselves, so they rely on outside submissions. So if it's a big company, uh, like if it's a FedEx merger, or if it is a something large, they're gonna cover that. But for the most of the small businesses, like, like yours, like mine, like all the ones that we come in contact with all the time, they rely on outside submissions. So that means either a company needs to submit the material themselves, or they might hire a firm like ours to do it for them. And the kinds of things that uh, media will report on for businesses, they'll talk about events like um, new hires, new locations, new clients, new services, new products. They will often turn to business owners as resources. They're working on a larger story. And as an example, let's say that with a presidential election uh, at hand, there's a lot of talk that if, um, if there's a change in administration, there'll be some changes in the tax code. So companies who are tax, um, either tax attorneys or CPAs have a great opportunity to be a resource for media that want to write about this. What's it going to mean? What will the changes be? And so we work very hard to put our clients in front of those writers so that when they're doing stories, they call upon our clients to be their go-to trusted uh, resources. We also help businesses get articles, interviews, features, placements. And we help a lot with helping clients to write, whether it's a blog, or a thought leadership article in a business magazine, on a business website, uh, newspapers, all of this being done for 
two reasons. The first is it boosts the company's visibility and its brand awareness. And the second is it gives the company a chance to showcase its knowledge, its expertise. And one last quick point, what makes PR different from most other types of marketing, and they're all good. There are not, uh, I don't think PR should be the only strategy that a company uses, but it certainly should be in the mix. What makes it different is that when you buy, if I were to buy an ad in a newspaper and say, or a magazine and say, hire PR first, we've been here 23 years, we, we really know what we're doing, people are going to know that I paid for that message. But if an editor interviews me and asks, what are the 10 tips that every business owner ought to know about promoting themselves? When people read that, they're going to think they thought enough of what, in this case, I had to say that they included me in their coverage. So it's like a third person validation. So that's the that's PR first 101, um, hopefully fairly quickly. Yeah, no, that was um, a lot of great information. I think um, you made some really good points about your business in general, just talking about how you know, you know, what these editors and what these you know, publication companies want to see. So that is a huge advantage for anybody that's using you guys because, um, you know, trying to get stories or trying to get, you know, things posted about your business is, is tough. And, um, mm-hmm. and I know that, you know, we've tried kind of doing it on our own a few times and you fall short a lot. And when, but when you do get it, when you do get some like a little bit of publication about your company, um, it does go a long way. And I think sure. that I can see the, the true value in you guys is the consistency of being able to get it because it's just always putting your business in front of, you know, relevant a relevant audience. Um, so that makes perfect sense. And then, like you said too, you know, um, someone like going on and, and writing a review or, or you going out there and, and telling like, you know, a lot of the times we work with schools and universities and, and the difference between me emailing a brand new school um, and someone in their administration about our services and saying, Hey, we can help versus the difference between them seeing it written on my behalf. Like, Hey, these guys do a great job or, mm-hmm. you know, even like um, someone, someone else kind of coming in like a, a school that we've already worked with and giving us a referral you know, that is, um, is so much more powerful because it's, it's just validates you immediately. So it makes perfect sense. And, um, and no, I appreciate you sharing all that. So take me back, Jim, to like, you know, day one at PR first. I mean, if you could tell yourself, you know, one thing when you were starting your business and, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, 20 years later, but if you could tell yourself one thing on that day about being an entrepreneur or getting into this business, what would that be? There are probably several, but the the one that I would go back and tell myself is expect the unexpected. Um, and you know, I think that you know it, it's probably self evident. But during the relatively short time that we've been in business, we've been through four few different U.S. presidents. Uh, I never foresaw the economic downturn in two thousand seven and two thousand eight, and I certainly didn't see COVID coming. And I think that what I would tell people. What I would have told myself is, you don't know where the road's going to go. All you can do is be certain that, you know, be ready for whatever comes your way. Um, Most of us think of ourselves as being very proactive. And I think we are. We plan. We we plan to do um, this, this, and and this. But even our best plans get sidetracked because of events that are outside our control. So for any starting entrepreneur, I'd say be ready. Be, be, uh, Be prepared for what you won't know. I would also say, trust your instincts, but be willing to listen to others. And, and I think perhaps above and beyond everything, I would say plan for, plan for those rainy days. Um, there are going to be times, you know, there are going to be times that you're going to want to 
put your foot on the accelerator and go full steam ahead. But there are also going to be times when you need to tap the brakes. You need to be, you need to be ready. You need to be thinking long term. That don't spend every cent that comes in. You know, put some aside. You know, plan plan long term. And none of us really know what the future holds, and heaven knows where uh, when when this um, panic, uh, the pandemic that we're in, is going to end. But I think the best of us, the best thing we can all do is to just try to prepare for uh, what happens next. Yeah, no, I mean, the um, expect the unexpected has been a big theme with my guests. Um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs just talking about how you never know really what's going to happen. You never know, you know, you're going to set out with a plan and um, and your plan might change internally because of, you know, your own discoveries, but the world's going to do its part too. And it's going to come in and, and change, you know, what you can't control. And um, and you got to be expect, you got to be prepared and expecting both kind of to happen in that regard. And then, when it comes to kind of trusting your gut, I, I totally agree. I mean, um, a lot of the times you have to be willing and open to learn. That's why I love talking to people like yourself and some of my other guests because, you know, you guys can share some insightful information for someone who's just kind of starting out a little bit um, to learn from, you know what I mean? And, and, and listen to others and their experiences. But also, you know, if you feel something's right, you know, you got to listen to that as well and kind of mm-hmm. and, and go down that path too. Yeah, and, and I, I've been, I found it interesting to listen to our clients and the people that we know through networking organizations. It is people we've come in contact with, and so much of it has been virtual for the last eight months. But to talk to people about what did this, what did this COVID nineteen experience do to your for you and for your business, and how have you how have you managed to find your way through it? And I have always had a real strong. Um, admiration for entrepreneurs who can find their way through something. You know, it's you know the old it's kind of the old joke. I mean, people say if it was easy, everybody would do it. But you know, it's always it, it always impresses me the the resiliency, the ingenuity that people have, and when they're faced with something, how do they how do they get through it, get around it, and beyond it? And those are the stories that I've enjoyed helping. That our company has enjoyed helping uh, businesses tell the, this last year. Yeah, I mean, and and that was you know, kind of leads me into another question I was going to ask you a little bit, um, which is, you know, I guess even from a personal level or even from, you know, obviously I don't know if um, you'd want to share, be allowed to share, but talking on, on a client's behalf, but, you know, have you seen or learned any lessons, um, heard any lessons of people or yourself kind of dealing with COVID-19 that, you know, could be, I guess, used as a bit of encouragement for the kind of the rest of us as we navigate this through this situation still? Well, I, I think that in general, the experience that I have seen uh, clients share with us is we know we still need to communicate. We know we still need to tell people who we are. We don't want to be tone deaf. We don't want to be reaching out and trying to sell things when people are sick or are hospitalized. So in the beginning, in the, in the early month, or first, I should say, first month or two, people were, our clients were extremely concerned about what was it that they were going to say. So those initial conversations talked a lot about safety. They talked a lot about how they were going to make certain that in their buildings, they followed certain protocols, certain hygiene, and they communicated a lot about the safety of it. And after a while, when many businesses closed because of the uh, state and uh, local regulations and guidelines, that of course once again shifted the message, and they had to again figure: How do I now reach out to our client base, and what do I say? And 
I think that in a lot of cases in general, it was they were looking for words to reassure uh, and to clarify because there's a lot of misinformation that is circulated out there in, uh, in, in the uh, internet and all too. So they, I think they were very careful about what they were saying. We work with a bank, for example, several banks, and we've helped them a lot with their communication to their directors about what they're doing, to their employees about the safety steps they're taking, to their customers about since we have closed our branches, for example, um, these are the, the alternate methods that are available. So I think a lot of it has been helping companies, whether it's in finance or whether it's in public service or even um, other, other, even the legal profession, helping them communicate and reassure their customers that, you know, we're still here for you. And I tell people that it's what you say is important. And I think how you say it is important too. And I think for a lot of people, there's been a uh, self-examination and we've helped guide some of them as well. How do you communicate something? How do you communicate bad news in the least um, bad way, I guess I would say? How do you, how do you make something seem um, not better than it is, but how, help people to cope with it? So I think in general, we've focused a lot on helping people to really take a look at their communications, not only, as I said, what they say, how they say it, and the devices and the means by which they communicate it. Not every, not all of it for the last year for us has been through press releases. A lot of it's been through memos. It's been through newsletters. It's even been through social media posts, as you and I had talked about earlier, how people communicate that way. And it's just a matter of you want to be out there. You want to be consistent. You want to, you want to be realistic. You want to always tell people the truth. But I think also you want to have a you want to have a bit of optimism, a bit of hope in how you communicate as well. I'm not sure if that was what you were asking me about, but that's. Yeah, no, no, it was. It definitely was. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of what you were mentioning was like the most encouraging thing that you can kind of take out of it too is 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 learning, like you mentioned, learning something new in the sense mm-hmm. of like, all right, well, when things are going good, which, you know, um, I think, you know, at least a few of the businesses or a good amount of the businesses I was talking to, things were going pretty well for them pre-COVID. Um, you know, people were, you know, the consumers were buying, you know, businesses were kind of rolling, you know, people were getting into a groove, finding a groove. And then all of a sudden this hit and it kind of spun everybody out of control a little bit for a second there. But, um, you know, like you mentioned, things like that will teach you how to navigate through situations and teach you how to, you know, pull positive out of, out of kind of an overall big negative. And, and then, Mm -hmm. and, and that type of stuff, you know, hopefully we just continue to forge through, um, COVID the best we can as businesses and as, as a society, um, until we maybe find, you know, a cure, get to the end of it, however that may be. But when things hopefully do get a little bit brighter, um, and, and, and businesses start to go back to, you know, doing what they were doing in volumes, um, you'll take a piece of, you know, what you learned from trying to deal with all the negative out of that and can kind of use that as a very strong thing to be able to use as you push forward. I think absolutely. We learn. We learn from our experiences. And how many times do we all tell ourselves, "Boy, if I could just hit the rewind button on that, I would do it differently." But I think that you know the reality is that we, anyone who owns a business or works in one, um, we learn. We learn. We always do. We're good at not necessarily second guessing ourselves, but at analyzing and thinking, "How can I do this better? What can I do that's going to be more beneficial uh, for my my customers and my clients next time next time through?" Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so you mentioned a little bit about social media and, and, and 
I think that, um, you know, you kind of operate in a business where technology, um, is kind of constantly disrupting it in a way and you got to keep up with it. I mean, it mm-hmm. went from like you mentioned, starting at 20 plus years ago when there wasn't Facebook or anything like that to now dealing with all these different social media platforms where I guess, you know, in a way everybody kind of becomes a little bit of a journalist. Everybody can get their own opinion out there, you know, to at least their own audience if they want to, but you know, sure. kind of how have you seen social media disrupt your industry, I guess, and, and how do you see technology kind of, playing a role in in what you do moving forward as well i've seen uh, i'll i'll do a quick flashback to when i started the company in 1998 and this will make it seem like i was back in the age when the dinosaurs roamed the earth because we used to actually snail mail our news releases to, to news desks that was just as email was starting to uh, make its way so we we literally began to almost totally print and quickly converted to uh, email and electronic distribution, which is great for a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which is that the receiving media outlets prefer it because if they're going to use something, they're going to edit it. It's a lot easier to edit something that already exists and to rekey it uh, on a, on a, on a um, computer. So we saw uh, the internet and we saw uh, social media. I've, I've seen LinkedIn in particular, I think has been one of the strongest business platforms. Um, so, as technology advanced, so too did print media um, fade a bit into the background. It's still relevant, it's still there, it's still used, but almost everything that's in print is now also online. And what that has meant for us is that, for example, um, a, a news announcement that may have once that appeared, let's just say it's uh, something that appears in a local paper like the Braintree Forum, that's as far as a particular news announcement goes, uh, years ago, that was nice, but it really had a very limited value. Today, all you have to do is Google it, and that same single announcement that originally had an audience of uh, one town now is virtually can virtually be worldwide. Every single every single placement has multiple times its value because of the prevalence of social media. So we see we see the ability to post on Facebook, on LinkedIn, in particular for businesses, LinkedIn B two B. It's very strong. Uh, to some extent, for some, um, Instagram um, is also a popular platform. And I think I would say the advice I give to businesses most often who are looking to generate content is use LinkedIn because that's a widely respected platform. And use it not just to write your own content, but if you do use PR of some sort, and I do this for our clients, do you have a link to an article that appeared in some journal? Post it up on LinkedIn. That that doubles or triples its uh, its reach. And so to use, let social media be the partner of your of your print and your online placements. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, and LinkedIn's algorithm is really cool too because I mean, I, I I log in there after not being on over the weekend or you know going a couple of days without really looking too much at it. And I know some people's job involves looking at it, you know, pretty much every hour of every day. But sure. they keep a lot of um, like. You know, I've been posting these episodes on LinkedIn and I'll notice like a week later, I'm still getting some notifications like someone reacted to this or someone left a comment on this, even though I posted it like a week ago. So mm-hmm. your relevant content stays relevant for a long time on LinkedIn. It stays relevant with people who are in the business network and a lot of your connections on LinkedIn, I'm sure, are people who, you know, you, I guess, have something in common with. So it just allows you to network um, and, and this this type of content or any type of content, whether it be articles that you write on behalf of your clients mm-hmm. or 
any news they get, you know, they can kind of post it to there and, and keep it relevant for a while and keep it relevant to, like you mentioned, a massive network. Whereas normally 20 years ago in the Braintree Forum, like you said, that would just be limited to the people that buy the Braintree Forum in Braintree, Massachusetts. Right. And I would also, just if I might add one quick note about social media for business owners, uh, don't overlook Twitter as well, despite, you know, Twitter gets uh, both a good rap and a bad rap in the media. But if you think of it this way, we use it for our clients to post content. Once again, it's uh, we'll post links to placements we've gotten for clients. Occasionally, we'll post original content. But for someone who is looking at Twitter, I would say do this. Think about who you want to see what you are going to say and go out and follow those people. In our case, we follow a lot of media, a lot of media outlets, and they many of them follow us in return. And that becomes just another platform where your content can be seen. And even though it's not necessarily, you know, it's perhaps a bit more passive than uh, proactive, it still puts it out there. It still makes it searchable. So, I mean, I think for me, the big ones are Twitter, LinkedIn, and um, again, depending on the business, Facebook. And then I would call Instagram a, um, perhaps a, a distant fourth. And of course, also, as you mentioned, uh, Joe, the content. People have their own uh, people. Video is powerful. So uh, a business that wants to create videos about itself and post them on its own YouTube channel or on LinkedIn, that's also huge. People feel they get to know you if they can see you and hear you. Well, you can learn a lot um, from these things too. Like Twitter, you mentioned, is um, it's a great piece. I don't really tweet personally myself. Um, it's not, and but I, I still have a Twitter because I've enjoyed following a lot of like, you know, business owners, um, you know, kind of people who go on there and post a lot of content because you can learn a ton about business from just reading on Twitter. You know I mean? People yeah. will put out their free content. Honestly, it's, it's totally free. People are just putting lessons that they've learned or step-by-steps on how they've started something new. And um, we've been able to kind of take advantage of that a little bit and, and launch, you know, some side businesses, honestly, through listening to the advice of those on um, on Twitter, which has been yeah, great. Absolutely, and and I always tell businesses too, don't be afraid to share. I mean, tell, give valuable, useful content away, and it will come back to it will come back to reward you. Um, as a quick example, I've written an article, and some of my colleagues have too. I wrote an article on how to write your own press releases, and I've published it in a couple of business journals. And I do it with the idea that it's useful content. If someone is going to try it on his own or her own, I would much rather they know a little bit about how to do it to improve their chances of mm-hmm. getting getting something posted or, or published. And right. I think people appreciate uh, when you share when you share good content. So it's always it's always a good idea. What you're saying about Twitter, it sounds like you're listening to it. And when you get the chance, when something comes up that you think is relevant for your business, you probably will tweet it. But People sometimes hear Twitter and they think, oh, all they hear about is the, the politics of it. But this is, as you say, there's a lot of good, um, there's a lot of good benefits to it. Yeah. No, I mean, a hundred percent. Any of these, you know, I mean, if you're using them the right way, mm-hmm. using them to learn, using them to share, um, you can get so much value out of them and, and sure. not even monetarily, but knowledge based too, you know, but you mm-hmm. can, I mean, even just from doing this, you know, I've, I've done a few episodes now and it's been something I've only done for a few months. It's, it's been awesome. I've loved doing it. I've learned a lot just from talking to people, but, um, putting it out there and then, you know, all of a sudden someone will text, uh, reach out to me in my inbox and say, Hey, you know, I'm moving from here to here. I need some storage. So it's like customers come out of it too. And that's really never my intention, honestly, right. but 
you, you could see how it can benefit in multiple different ways, just putting yourself out there. Because if I hadn't been, then those people probably wouldn't have been thinking about me or right. on-demand storage. Absolutely. Being top of mind. That's what, that's what good marketing is all about, however you, however you get there. So Jim, I think that your services, um, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's, it's very, you know, it's a very good thing for, for businesses to take advantage of. And, and um, I'm sure now, like you mentioned, there's a lot of opportunity out there for, like you mentioned in, in, in one of your things, you know, people to talk about taxes or just anything kind of relevant going on in the world. And, you know, if you could put out some information or, or, you know, be present, um, you know, people are doing a lot of reading, people are doing a lot mm-hmm. of listening right now. So where can um, some of my audience find you best? Um, because if they ever wanted to take advantage or reach out to you about getting some articles written or taking advantage of your services. Well, I appreciate you giving me a chance to, uh, to say that, Joe. Um, I, and I will say, I'm happy to have a conversation, no obligation conversation with anyone. So people should not feel uh, fearful about reaching out and just even, even if it's just with a question. Um, two ways. My email is jfarrell at prfirst.com. And that's J-F-A-R-R-E-L-L at P as in Peter, R as in Robert, F-I-R-S-T.com. And best phone number for me is my cell phone, which is 617-429-7990. 617-429-7990. And that's with me pretty much all the time. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jim. And, and thank you for coming on and giving, you know, your insight into all these things. I mean, um, I think we got a lot out of it. And I think as a business owner, you know, not being, taking advantage of, you know, your knowledge and, and putting yourself out there, I've seen just on my own has been um, something that, you know, like I mentioned, has gotten customers, has just gotten some more attention, has just been kind of rewarding. But, you know, for a business owner to want to do it, you know, in a professional way, um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of advantages to using someone with your experience. So I appreciate you sharing all that and um, being willing to talk to, you know, some of those who are listening. Well, thank you, Joe. It's great to, uh, I'm pleased that you invited me and uh, it's great to connect with you again. And no, you're doing a, you're doing a good thing here. People uh, are paying attention and paying taking notice of you. So I think it's a good it's a good service. So thanks. Well, thank for you. Thank you okay. very much. So we'll um we'll catch up again soon, Jim. Thanks a lot. Sounds good. Thank you, Joe. Have a good have a good day too. You too. Bye. Bye.